You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women, both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just the light in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight and won't steer you wrong, Johnny Appleseed himself, Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Hey everybody, we are back for another go around. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Hopefully you guys made it to the Great American Outdoor Show. I had the privilege to go up on Saturday, uh, the, the second to last day of the show, and it was crazy. So if you tuned in to any of the episodes that we had uh, the past few weeks, we had Brandy Adam on, and she, has a, she plays a huge part. She is one of the key components to that show being in place working for the NRA and uh, she I heard indirectly through her that Saturday was one of the busiest days that she'd ever seen at the show so that's awesome it was very busy I got to see some familiar faces I got to meet some new people and it was just a really good time I spent a lot of time looking at mobile hunting gear and I'd be curious and anybody who wants to give me your two cents if you've tinkered with gear i'm not a gear nut like i don't i don't like follow the latest newest gear all the time i I used to nowhere near as much anymore but i would love to formulate you know or fine tune uh the the setup that's best for me and i'm really been thinking about trying to run when i hunt public land like this year i hunted with a saddle and it wasn't bad but i just really like to hunt out of a hang on tree stand i was looking at a lot of lightweight tree stands and trying to figure out what's going to pack the best what's going to you know be the easiest to set up you know what's going to take the least amount of modification for noise and yeah there's so much gear out there i mean it's just i can't believe how much gear is out there and uh, it overwhelms me so and i'm was, was looking at stuff trying to you know learn some some companies what they've got what they've got to offer network there with those guys and you know pretty much i left with the show the same way that i went in overwhelmed but it was still neat to see stuff get your hands on it think about it and uh as time goes on you know i'll, I'll keep adding in right now i'm trying to be satisfied with what i have and and i think at some point i'm going to do a podcast that touches on this a little bit but you know there was a time i used to be about buying new bows and constantly upgrading gear and i still do that but nowhere near like i did because at the end of the day it comes down to if what you have works, does it really need to be replaced? And I understand there's a bent, there's there's always room for improvement and you know finding that happy medium balance of of efficiencies. I I get all that, but at the same time, like what I had last year, it worked and I made it work and I was successful. So probably not going to be looking to spend a big chunk of money on anything else, but. Anyway, that was kind of my two cents of the the show. Good time, great people. Um, yeah, lot. I shot new bows. I, that was one thing I probably shouldn't have done. I, I did shoot the new Matthews lift, and I shot the Bowtech. 
Oh gosh, I forget which which one it is, but it's it's the newest one, 44 inches SS was the smooth one. Both of those bows were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just the draw cycles at the shot, the hold, everything. It it just is mind-boggling what uh, archery technology has come to, and uh, it, it, they're fun to shoot. Speaking of Bowtech, if you are interested in Bowtech, if you like Bowtech archery, um, I just found out from Devon at Little Mountain Outfitters, who, you know, if you guys have known, I've had Devon on the show, good friend of mine. Um, they are now stocked up or, or in the process of being a dealer for Bowtech. So if you want to shoot a Bowtech bow or check out any of the other bows that they've got at Little Mountain, he's got a ton of them. Uh, it, a lot of different opportunities there, different companies, great bows to go shoot, feel. Check out Little Mountain Outfitters. I, I always will plug them because they're great. They're great to me, but they're they're a great shop. Uh, Richland, Pennsylvania, don't be afraid to uh, go check them out, even if you're not in the hunt for a new bow. they got a lot of good stuff out there. And, uh, you know, I was talking about the show and getting my hands on gear and um, mobile hunting gear. They got mobile hunting gear that you can get your hands on and look at and see and feel if you didn't get to the show and you're curious about that stuff. But, anywho, it was really exciting time. Made me think about a, a whole lot of stuff. But it was the most important thing that I enjoyed in the whole show was the, the talking with people, the relationships. That's the stuff I love. Um always looking for opportunities to meet people to bring on the show and talk and uh speaking of this show it first of all all of you who've listened for a long time and have complimented me on this show and everything else thank you i appreciate it because there are times that i do this and question my own capabilities i question why i'm doing this and like, I listen to myself talk, and I think, man, how would anybody want to listen to me talk in this show? And I, I've just been blessed with a lot of great guests and a lot of people who just really articulate things well and talk about interesting stuff. And I, I try to be as real as I possibly can. And I'm one of the reasons I'm saying this is because what I just said ties well into this week's episode. So... This week, I am talking with Howie Miller. Now, I've got to know Howie. Um, Howie's a regular, average, blue-collar, hard-working dude that loves to hunt and spends as much time as he possibly can. And for that reason, I kind of gravitated and connected with him because I could relate to him on a lot of different things because, again, he works hard, he loves to hunt, and he hunts hard. And we, you know, no, no mutual people. We hunt similar places. And uh, I wanted to have him on the show because he's had a lot of cool things happen the past few years. And he's had a lot of, uh, a lot of cool experiences to share. And we're going to talk about a cat and mouse game he played with a buck this past year that he hunted with for a few seasons. We talk about the buck he killed. We talk about what it's like and, and strategizing the cat and mouse game when you're driving to where you hunt from a, from a good distance a few hours away um you know howie and i we're kind of in the southern part of the state 
but we we do some hunting in the northern part of the state and that drive distance man that's a that's a weird game to play and trying to strategize the time you have and be efficient you know enjoy your time hunting but also you you, you want to be successful you want to kill a buck if you can or, or or kill a deer and so you try to slot it a certain way to be as successful as possible and we have that conversation and, and we wrap up uh, talking about a new endeavor he's got with uh, some ground that he purchased. So we're going to talk about all that, but I brought that part leading into that introduction up because we, we one thing we talked about made me realize how difficult being a podcast host can be sometimes. I sometimes really struggle in figuring out how to word a conversation or word a question to or, or articulate a, a point of interest and in, like it's just it's not always that easy and i i personally don't think i do the best job of it i think i talk in circles sometimes over the matter but one of the things we talked about uh there, there's the topic of buck shaming right or you know being satisfied with what you shoot and i've said this if you listen to this long enough my show long enough you know where i stand do what makes you happy. I do what makes me happy. I don't care what anybody else does or thinks about what I do. I'm doing what's going to make me happy. But we talked about something that is controversial. And basically what it comes down to is if you have a goal in mind, let's say it's you want to shoot a caliber of a deer and you are hunting through a season and it gets to that grind time there and like something different comes along so, uh, a buck maybe that isn't exactly of the the caliber or not the specific deer or whatever that you were hunting first of all there is nothing wrong with filling your tag and being happy if it makes you happy I, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that what i was trying to say in this conversation is there's also nothing wrong with wanting to do better to work hard to to try to reach a goal and be the next level maybe that means you eat a tag um for a season and the the one thing that i'll say and it's, it's really hard to describe but there's probably nothing wrong if you've shot a deer and you were a little disappointed because it wasn't what you wanted. Now, I'm not saying we're disappointed in the deer because every deer is awesome. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the deer. What you'd be disappointed in is your decision or your ability to, you know, manage your emotions or, you know, set, settle in that situation. There, there's nothing wrong with being disappointed in yourself if you didn't accomplish your goal it just means it's an opportunity for you to grow as a hunter grow as a person and keep working and uh like i said i I felt like i kind of stuck my neck out in this situation probably sounded like a jerk and i don't mean to be all i'm saying is regardless of where you fall in the matter when it comes to chasing big deer or mature deer stuff doesn't matter like do what makes you happy um, uh, yeah, kind of really, it's a really tough, tough topic to navigate. And maybe one day I'll be able to 
have this conversation and with somebody on this show who's really, really well-spoken and can uh, break things down a little bit better than I do because I love to talk about philosophy and how your mindset goes because I think it just makes you more well-rounded and formulate your own decisions better. So anyway, that's where I was going with that. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is a fun episode. Howie uh, does a ton of hunting and scouting. There's a lot of learned lessons in the chase that he's gone through the past few years. Uh, we, we talk about some specific things with the buck he was after, and it's a really, really fun conversation. And, and a lot of you guys that, if you're somebody like me where you, you live in the southern part and you drive north to the big woods or you go to that big piece of public like that has that nostalgia to you, you you're going to relate to this episode. And I, I can tell you, first off, we're not going to give you the answers and being uh, really you know, narrowing down or fine-tuning when to take your time off. Like We're going to talk about the stuff that probably goes through your head and, and realize we don't have the answer, but we're thinking about it too. We're trying to be the, the best bow hunters and deer hunters that we can in in a setting that's naturally tough to hunt so i think it's enough of me rambling and babbling uh before we get to this episode with howie shout out to radix uh i was uh, i just met with cliff and the team at radix they were at the sportsman show the great american outdoor show um one, one thing i will say about that that crew is they really care about bringing quality. And they were telling me a story that, you know, some of the, the, the products that they're bringing out and trying to bring out, the timeline in which it takes them to, to bring a product out, sometimes it doesn't meet consumer expectations or, you know, somebody's expectations. You know, we're in a society that demands stuff right away. Where's it going to be? Where's it at? Where's it at? And I really appreciate what they do because when it comes to market, it is done right. It is done with quality in mind. And there's not going to be, there's no pushing something out to get it to your hands, but then, oh, well, we might have to recall this because, you know, we, we jumped the gun a little bit too soon. You, you don't get that with them. And I, that's one of the many, many reasons I like Radix hunting. Um... I just got my hands on their new ground blind, and let me tell you what, I'm excited to take that into the turkey woods. Really, really awesome window setup and reinforced hubs, durable. Like the the durability of this blind compared to what I have currently is tenfold better. I've talked about their tree stands, I've talked about their trail cameras. Like I said, products that really really do well in the environment that we hunt and i'm proud to be part of that and i'm I'm blessed to be part of that and i really encourage you to check out radix hunting and hey with that let's get to this episode with howie so joining me on this week's show i've got howie miller what's going on howie thanks for coming on the show Hey, thanks for having me, Mitch. Not too much, just uh, kind of getting through the depression of uh, end-of-season blues here. But, you know, looking forward to turkey season and uh, maybe going a little crappie fishing and stuff like that. Yeah, deer depression, as I always like to call it. You know, it's 
I always have these. Do you big, get that? I mean, it's a thing, right? I absolutely get it, and it's not like I'm. I'm not okay. I'm not depressed. Like there is not like I've got enough to keep me going. I've got plenty. Like I mean, as far as keeping me busy, I mean, between family stuff, like I'm good. It's just I call depression like that thing where you wait so it feels like you wait so long for deer season to get here. It gets here. You love it. You never want it to end. And when you get it to end, when it ends, it's like, do I really have to wait another whatever it is, eight nine months to do this yeah, all over again? It's, it's like, yeah, what the heck? Like, yeah, it's become like, like you kind of get into a rhythm and then it's gone, and then you're like, oh, now what? Yeah, and uh, it seems like the last couple of years it's really been tough for me. I kind of just like, I don't know. Plus, I'm, I get kind of burnt out from going hard. And I just like, uh, man, I have no drive. I just lay around kind of for like two, three weeks. And just feel like, like crap. And I'm like, man, what the hell is going on here? I need to go do something. And then I get up and start running and stuff again. But I guess, I don't know. I just noticed that more over the last couple of years. Yeah. Like I mean, as soon as season's over. I, I don't know. Like, I. I guess I just like hunting because I like every aspect of it. Like when you get to the off season, you, you you know, what do you think about this time of year? Are you think about, well, I got to put boots on the ground. I got to scout or, Hey, it's time to start habitat work on my private land. So I got to get the chainsaw running and design plans and start game plan for next year. And I enjoy that. Don't get me wrong. Like when the season's over the next phase of the season for me and in the off season, like I enjoy that aspect of it. But to me, you still can't beat, deer hunting like you just can't beat hunting right no i mean i guess you could go predator hunting and stuff like that right now but it just it's kind of like this time uh it's like a whirlwind because i kind of get irresponsible during season and i don't do some things that i should be doing and then i gotta play catch up you know whether it be like cutting firewood or some housework or stuff like that so it's like i guess i better get on the ball, but you know how you feel like you're so far behind. You're like, where the hell do I start? And then you're like, well, I just got to start somewhere and, and chip away at it. But yeah, I guess that's kind of a part of it too. You know, just let, letting some things go and then, and then trying to think about, you know, turkey season or sheds or like you said, getting boots on the ground. Uh, but I mean, I'm surprised. Like usually, the mountain roads are iced over right now. I couldn't even get back in if I wanted to. But this this year, there's, I mean, it's wide open. Yeah, it's so, been a unique winter sure for that. it's been a unique winter for sure. I uh, I've definitely neglected a lot of stuff. I'm playing catch up. I've got a list of house chores, and I'm like, I want to get X, Y, and Z done before this time, with the hope that I, I have a little bit of a break in between there, so I can you know do a little bit of off season scouting or whatever and. And uh, you know, hopefully, I can find some time to turkey hunt. But man, I we're, we're talking about the 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 cruddy things, you know, the the things like the 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 yeah. the, the hope, almost like not I want to say hopelessness, but like the the downside to the end of the season. I kind of want to hear about your your season this past year because, like, I mean, I know twenty twenty two. I know you had a, a pretty pretty grind of a season and, and you did this year too but the outcomes were a little bit different it was kind of fun watching along with you throughout the season so man tell us about your year yeah appreciate that um so you know i just kind of wanted to get a buck on the ground this year because last year i got my 
my butt handed to me. And um, I went out, started checking trail cameras, and then a really big one showed up. And then I tried to play the I'm only hunting the one deer game. And I did that for a while, chasing that one buck. And I it, it got late in the season, and no pictures of him disappeared. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. It wasn't fun. And uh, archery season came to an end. And I'm like, I just want to get a buck on the ground. Like, I don't care if it's a rifle or, you know, flintlock, whatever. Um, I really want to get one with a bow. But um, so I just I had to get out of that area and go somewhere totally different. And uh, it ended up working out for me. Good deal. But, good deal. Um, so you said you're talking about bow hunting. Tell me a little bit about the hunting you were doing. I know that you like to go in upstate Pennsylvania whenever your time allows you and hunt some big woods and stuff. So was that primarily what you were focusing on this past season? Yeah. Um, I used to hunt down here near the house, but since um, I, I just kind of like shoot my bow during the week, it gets a little too crowded down here. And don't get me wrong, there there can be some good hunting down this way, but I just love the mountains. I love being in the mountains, and that's pretty much what I yeah, – that is what I do focus on. That's what I train for all year. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a grind going up, hiking up over a hill or, like, you know, when you're especially when you're not seeing nothing, and you're like, Man, i got to do that again tomorrow. So the, the phys, um, staying in shape is a big part of, like, what I try to do is to do that kind of – hunting um yeah you're yeah. constantly showing videos like hitting the road and you know running and everything else and that is one area that i lack discipline i really do like how, how do you go through that like because that, that's that's tough like how do you like force yourself to commit to it well i'll be honest it's like it's a battle it's it's not easy I, and i feel weird sometimes posting it because I'm not trying to show off or like brag about it. I'm more or less like, I think it's more or less just to keep myself accountable to just show up every day and do it. Whether it be like, I might just do a lap around the block and it's a quarter mile, half a mile, but I feel so much better that I did something. If I don't, then it kind of like it chips away at me. And then I think this plays a lot into like the mental game. So, like, I'll try to get up early in the morning and do a workout, and then, but I just do bodyweight stuff. Like, I don't go to a gym or anything like that. But I just try and force myself to do something hard every day to make my mental strength a little bit better going into the season. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about more about that, because everybody has their own thought process of what makes them a better hunter and sometimes that might be as simple as getting away from hunting for a while to have a fresh clear mind other people take this strategy of i need to have every aspect of my life be tip-top shape that way i'm my my sharpness i'm just kind of curious when you think about physical health i mean i know there's a lot of people that swear physical health is a necessity for hunting and i'm not discrediting it i mean i it would do everybody some some justice but i also know people who don't do well physical oh, health, yeah. and they, they they still do well in the hunting world and it's to each their own i'm just kind of curious your thought press process and philosophy 
and what that means when you're setting goals for yourself because that that's really what the, what matters right you're you're accomplishing something through your physical being you know your physical uh well-being and i'm just kind of curious a little bit more in depth behind that yeah i i i mean i guess it's just like you, you stack small wins each day and it, it could be anything you know like I have a bad day at work, come home, I'm tired, I could just lay down on the floor and sleep, but it's like, you know what, no, I'm going to go for a run, and you feel so much better than after that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I kind of lost your question. Yeah, I mean, you I was, I'm, I'm that, just uh, trying to figure out how to word like, what I'm thinking, because like... Like there's there's personal uh, goals you're setting for yourself. Like I'm just I'm trying to relate this to hunting and think of how I can word this. I mean, I know I don't have to do any of this to hunt. You know, I could I could spend more time scouting, right, know, and probably be more successful. But it's it's something that I'm I'm looking at it the long game. You know, like if I want to try and do this as long as I possibly can. Mm, I like that. You know what I mean? Like. I want to be able to do this when I'm 70, like John Eberhardt, or, you know, maybe even in my, into my eighties, you know, like that's so cool. And, and instead of like kind of just going to heck and like, you know, I just turned 38. So, you know, I'm starting to get to that 40 and I'm starting to feel stuff's a little different and I'm not going like I used to, you know, I'm like a little slower. So I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta keep on top of this to stay sharp. So that's kind of what I think the, the most part of it is it's the long game. I like that, and I never thought about it that way because, I mean, it, in all reality, the younger you are, the more you're likely, more likely you are to burn the candles at both ends, right? And that's uh, yeah. the longevity of something you enjoy, I think, is tough. So tell me a little bit about your goals this year. I know you said you were going after one specific buck. Walk us through what that season was like. I mean, because I know what that's like. You, first, you're like, I just want to kill a good buck that makes me happy. You get a trail camera picture, and that makes a whole whirlwind of things happen. And, you know, walk me through that season and what was happening. So, um, so this deer, I I had pictures of him. This would be my third year. Um, but I don't like, I, I didn't know about him the first year. I killed my buck, went out, pulled cameras, seen this nice, nice buck. You know, that's, that's a good one. Um, second, which would be, was it 21 and 22? He showed up again and I kind of hunted him, but I didn't really, I very sporadic pictures. I don't really have any idea what he was doing. So I'm like, I wasn't dead set on just hunting him because it was like, I, I didn't have any confidence going into it. I threw, I think two or three sets at him, basically going off of Intel from camera data, trying to be in, in that area about the time he showed up. But the weather got really warm that year. I think I actually had him at 10 yards on a pinch point right at gray light. Like it was too dark to shoot. I just, I had a giant right there. And that was last season when whatever, whatever wind they called for, it was completely opposite where I went. Mm. So I, I thought this was going to be a great spot because of the wind. And when he came right underneath me, he blew out. I'm like, how in the hell did he win me until I dropped my milkweed 
it went down and right to where he was at. But which made sense coming through that pinch. He was collecting that wind. I think there was like a bedding area up there in that side hill. But um, so he beat me last year. This year I went out in the summer. I'm like I'm going to specifically put more cameras, like cluster them, in this spot and try to find him. And then September when when it rained every weekend leading up the season. I said, well, I got to go check cameras. It'd probably be good because it's going to rain all day. I put my rain gear on. I was hiking down in. I get like halfway down and it's about a three mile walk to get to like out to the end where the cat, some of the, most of the cameras are, but I, I still have cameras all throughout there. And I'm just sneaking down through there. There, and I, I hear something in the, there's like a blowdown. I hear something in the, in the um, raking the, the limbs of this blowdown. And I, and I look and I see the, the leaves and the limbs shaking. Is that a bear in there? So I get my phone out. And then I, it sounds like time hitting the limbs and stuff. I thought, oh, man, that sounds like horn. Well, then this buck steps out. Well, I, I end up finding out that it was him, the buck that I was looking for. And I, he's 10 yards, but it wasn't bow season yet. Mm. And I'm like filming him and I'm like, this sucks because he's going to end up boogering out of here. There's no way I'm going to sneak. Like, then he started kind of sensing something was up, look, was looking at me. He got, got downwind, got my wind and blew out of there. So, um, then the chase was on. I mean, I, I put some cameras out and then it was like cat and mouse. Dude. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1-2 planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizeseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well-respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen Series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick-and-pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania and have a peek. Now, back to the show. I set a camera right about 30 yards from where I seen him. And he came back four days later, but I think he seen the camera. Because he like, it looked, unless you just happen to be looking that way. But then he didn't show up there again. So I, ended up, I made a mock scrape about 150 yards down the ridge a little bit and then but so i was kind of in a valley if, if i could draw this up like you go down into a valley 
and you have two ridges on, on your left and on your right. And I was like in the lower third, actually. And when I, when I, I seen him, the wind was blowing in my face. So he was coming in with the tailwind. I don't know if he was Jay hooking to go to a bed or so. Um, so I started moving cameras around and I, I couldn't find his core area. Uh, we can't hunt Sundays, so I would try and use Sunday to go scout and try and find big tracks, find rub, something, some kind of indication of somewhere to set up. And I, I just, I, I couldn't find nothing. And I don't know if he just wasn't putting down sign. And then from the pressure that I was putting on going in there, he just got the heck out of there. But, um, but it was weird. Like, so after I seen him, Every time I went and pulled a camera, he would be on it. Like, almost like he followed my, my scent and was following me. And he would be on them cameras, but then he was gone, he'd be out of there. So I, I could not pattern him. And, uh, I, I tried to bank my vacation for the days that he had showed up going off of historical data. And, you know, this year the weather was weird again. Um, it didn't really get good until the last week of archery season. It got cold and my cameras really picked up, but he was gone. And I thought, I don't know if he's dead. I have no pictures of him. I haven't had pictures of him in two weeks now. I think the last picture I got was October 26th or was it the 28th? It was somewhere right around okay. that time. And, um, I remember I was in a stand actually the day you killed your buck and I found a scrape there and it was a real, real, real steep ravine. And as the crow flies, it would be about 700 yards from where I seen him early in September. And I hung a camera there and then I didn't get a chance to go back and check it, but he daylighted all, well, I shouldn't say daylighted. He, he was there in daylight, November 3rd, but I didn't get a chance to get back there to check that. Mm. So, um, well, I found that out after season, but I, I had a real nice eight point that was showing up pretty regular. And I thought, well, I'd be happy to get that. He's nice. And I don't know where the other one went. I want to get one with a bow. This would be two years without one. Um, you know, I feel like I was so worked up about this deer, Mitch. I thought if I even got an opportunity, I'd probably screw it up because I never had an opportunity at an animal of this size. You know, I've been, there. um, and I'm like, maybe I just need to go shoot smaller one or something and, and try and like build my confidence up and, and hope he lives the next year, which I feel like there's old deer like that. They just know how to survive. And the pressure I put on him, I feel like he knew his hiding hole and he went there. And he was in there maybe earlier, earlier than he was previously or years prior. Um, but yeah, so I, I said, I'm going to chase another one. We're running out of time. And, and I ended up running. I passed some small deer and I had, well, what was it? It was the last, not the last Sunday, that Sunday. The Sunday you could a, hunt. Yeah, I I went in this spot, it was real hard access, 
I did a big loop and looped my way in there and dropped in, got set up, and uh, I was still in an area out where that big one comes through. So I thought, well, it's that time of year. Maybe I'll just get lucky and he'll show up here. If not, there's other bucks in this spot and I'd be happy to shoot the next nice one to come through. And this nice buck was coming. And all of a sudden, I get wet, like I'm starting to get excited. I got the bow in my hand and I'm like, I'm visualizing, okay, he's going to come down behind that tree. Right here's my shot. If he, if he breaks and goes that way, there's a shot. And I'm trying to play this all out. And he stops and looks down over. I'm like, well, there's maybe a doe or another buck down there. I, and and just before that had happened, I heard a snap, like a real loud cracker. I'm like, that's weird. Well, then he kind of stopped over there. I, I heard it again. So then I start looking down there. Here, I guess it was a small game hunt. Mm. I was down there. I guess he shot at a squirrel or something. So that buck, he turned around and got out of there. And he was about 40, 45 yards. And I just needed him like another 20 yards, you know, but that's bow hunting. But, and it's public land. Um, it was, it was just a little frustrating, but, um, well, I'm kind of curious. The one question I wanted to ask you when you're telling that story, you were talking about in September, you bumped him out. He said he kind of, you know, he he knew something was up, then he circled down wind and smelled you, and he was out of there, right? And I heard, I've heard i heard many people, uh, when they talk about mature deer, will talk about how, you know, if you bump a buck out of an area, man, he's gone, you're never going to see him again, something like that. Or, or you know, hard, like a, if it's a hard bump, like he's, they see you, they smell you, something like that, you know, that's going to be really a, a detriment. So I'm curious, after that happened, did you feel out of the game then completely, or were you still right around chasing him like you were right there cat and mouse the whole time? And I'm just curious your, your thoughts because I haven't necessarily always agreed with that statement I've heard other people make. Well, I yeah, I've heard it too, and, and to be honest, I was like kind of afraid to do anything. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you, you, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I, I have no chance. If I do nothing, I have no chance. So yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go go for it. I'm just going to go in there and try and find sign. And if I blow him out, or what, it, it, either it's going to work or it's not. But I'm not going to like the only way to hunt or get good at hunting big deer is to hunt them. Yeah. So, like, I, I played that game. It was like that mental game. You know, it's like, no, don't don't go. Just stay out and just. Then I thought about it. It's like, if I would do that, where am I going to set up for? And where I do, I'm not going to have any confidence. I needed to find just something to give me a little bit of confidence in that, in a setup. And by not finding the sign, I just kept kind of just kept bouncing around, moving around, trying to figure out and then learning off of trail cameras and, and, Figuring, well, I'm just going to build up a database for next year and hope that he survives. And then I will be able to put a little more pieces of that puzzle together. And I don't know that he, he really went far. He could have been hiding under my nose that whole time, you know, just to put hunker down. Um, but you know, that's the thing. You don't, I don't know. Right. So with what you learned from hunting the deer all fall 
and the camera intel you looked at at the end of season, if you could change something in pursuing that deer in 2023, what would it have been? Good question. Um, I mean, looking back, it's easy. No, I shouldn't say easy, but I mean, I could say I, I, I could have done this or that. But that's only because now I already know what I'd, you know what I mean? Well, and that's what I, I mean, kind of like of knowing like, that. Like if, if I, yeah, like, because, but if I could go back, I wouldn't have known it. Right. So, I mean, but if I can go back now, knowing what I know, I would probably have, um, I would have probably just stayed out and then took, try to take like three, four days vacation and hunt the one tree every day and just wait, wait mm. him out instead of bouncing around. Just, just st- stay. And hopefully let him come to me because if he's in a loop where he's only coming through every couple of days, you know, then hopefully that that window would be when, when I'm there. That makes sense. Well, so here's another thought I have. So you, you and I are alike in, in a sense because, um, we live in the Southern part of the state, but we like to hunt in the Northern part of the state when we can. And I have this conversation with one of my good hunting buddies and we talk about bow hunting in big woods, public land settings, even if it is private land, but it's big woods, timber in Northern Pennsylvania. I'm kind of curious, but we have a theory that, it is extremely hard to have that confidence for a one-day adventure and be successful in putting a tag in. And, and we're trying to figure out sometimes for us in the places we hunt, where's the sweet spot for us to pick a location and dive into it? You know, keeping all things what we normally do, constant trail camera scouting, but coming up with a hunting strategy in a, in, in a time frame as, and dedicating time to that spot where do you land in that because i know you you know you try to do weekends when you can you take vacations so like where's your mindset in like this is how much time i feel comfortable in the big woods applying if i'm trying to kill one with a bow um so that's something that has built up over years of doing it um am i scouting if i find where the feed and stuff is the, and then knowing what times of the year these spots get hot and you only do that by experience, but then you can kind of base your timing around, around that because it is tough to just say, well, I'm going to go up to Saturday and you only get that one day. So, but so, and one thing I've been doing is I spend it all day in the woods. I might not be in the same tree all day but i'm in the woods all day from the beginning of season to the end because it's it's a bear to get back in there and i'm not coming out and then going back in i feel like i'm just wasting time i I learn more by being in the woods because so like i was saying i let a lot of things go too at the end of season i don't like next thing you know it's the middle of summer i didn't get out postseason right so I'm, i'm trying to gain that intel uh, as it's happening during the season. So like, I, I, it, that's, that's so hard for us guys to go up there. I mean, cause it, it, I feel like it changes every week. It does. The pressure comes on, the food source changes. And if, if you don't know where they're going to be, you're, you're always going to be behind them. And then you're like just chasing the tail. It's like, and you can't catch up. Well, so. I- 
like one thing I wanted to compare that to, Howie, like I think about one strategy that's worked for me over time when I'm hunting locally. So like I'll have the knowledge about a property locally. It's within, I'm going to say within 20 minutes of me and I'll take camera information, the scouting, the knowledge of the property. Maybe I'm running a cell camera. Maybe I'm just running regular cameras, but I'll take all that information and look ahead at the extended and say, you know, based on what I see in the forecast, I'm going to take this day this morning, evening, morning sit, maybe just, uh, you know, I've got one day this week that I can bargain to hunt with the family, you know, with the wife here. I want to slide it to this Thursday night because the wind direction or the weather or whatever looks good. So that strategy over time has worked really, really well for me. I can't apply that exact same strategy to the type of hunting that you and I are talking about doing. So trying to figure out how am I going to slight my time? It's so tough. And, and you know what I mean, right? It's just so tough to know. Yeah. This is like, do you just commit, you know, historically over 10-year average, the first week of November, that's my best chance from what I've seen up in the big woods. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take it, and I'm going to just accept whatever I, the outcome is. That's tough. Oh, absolutely. I, I, what I've been liking to do is um, – Late August or September, just do a big speed loop. Go in and try and find where the acorns are dropping. Mm. And then it's like, if you find them, the, the game's going to be there. And then from your past year's experience knowing areas, to an extent you're going in blind. But like, if I go in, I might, I might pick a kill tree on that, uh, on that loop if, if I find acorns. If not, I've had years though where I went up a couple weekends and didn't find any. And that made it really tough. And, and I usually wasn't successful in those years. I had to basically throw a Hail Mary and do something completely different, different to become successful because not finding the feed is usually what ends up hurting me most of the time. That's why I, I don't know if I could trade off postseason scouting for in-season scouting, I would probably take the in-season. Mm, I like that. It, it's funny. Like, you... like, or like, Go like ahead. prior to the season or in-season, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. It's it's funny you say that because I was just uh, – I was uh, – I forget where the heck I was, but I was with uh, some hunting partners, you know, some of the guys. We, of course, every time you're with a group of guys, right, what do you talk about? Hunting, you know, last yeah, season yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And one of the guys that I was hunting with, it was Mark. I had him on the podcast a number of times. I said to Mark, I said – I'm curious now. You've hunted up with us a, a number of years and, you know, seen different things. And I, I was being very vague. I was just curious. I said, if you were going to spend some time up there trying to kill something with the bow, where do you think you'd, you'd kind of gravitate towards? And, I mean, his air answer was so generic, but it's so true because I think it's important. He goes, that depends on where the food is. It's like, well, I, I know that, but, I mean, you know, I, I was kind of like, in a sense, I was like, okay, smartass, because I, we know that. But, I mean, with that yeah. con constant, what you've seen the past few years, is there any yeah, areas you've seen to try? Like, yeah, you're looking for, like, a specific, like, you want to describe a point or a knob or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. And he's like, I want to go back over there and so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, where's the food? And I'm like, yes, I know, you're so right. But at the same time, th there's importance to that because the reason I brought that story up, Howie, is you just talked about I'm going through in-season scouting or right before the season. It's so important for me to know that because that's like the foundation for your season, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially because now and, and 
for a couple of years there, a while back, I was on the uh, no doe train. I don't know. I just didn't want to kill any does because I didn't think there was any in the mountains. Because I was like you. I only hunted down here mm. until I lost the farm that I, that I hunted. And then I was like, I was always enamored about going to the big woods. So that transition happened back around 08, 09. So, like, that crippled me going up there because I was used to hunting this, like, 100-some acre farm, and you knew where the deer were, and you knew the bedding, and you, and you knew the feed, and it was like, just pick the stand according to the wind, and you're going to see deer, it's a matter of seeing the right deer. And then you go up there, and you're like, well, where in the hell, where are they bedding? Oh, the feed's here, but they could be bedding anywhere. And then it's like a much, much larger scale. And, uh, so actually, I got off track there. Can you, what was that we were talking, So we were talking about food and, and setting the foundation up with the food oh. and finding locations. Yeah, yeah. It, that it's 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 hard if you don't if you don't have that. So like, if if, if I'm postseason scouting. I'm more or less trying to learn the lay of the land. Right, exactly. Find you know, find you, it so you feel like, comfortable when to, you go. Exactly. You're pick like if you like because it's big woods. You learn an area one year, and but you might only get it so far out that ridge, and then you're like, well, okay, well, I want to expand and get out further, and then keep going and building on that, and learning more and more and more of where the thickets are and what's laurel, and then where oaks are, because that's that just keeps that database in the back of your mind sharp of places to look when, when you, you come up empty-handed. Oh, absolutely. Woodsmanship and knowing the woods is huge. I mean, I can think about so many people I've hunted with over the years, and you know, they hunted out of that camp, and they've hunted hard. And when they describe, uh, let's just say, um, first, first example I'll give you, there's a guy that I've hunted with since I'm 12 years old, and whenever we do a drive, or you know, if he wants to me to take some group of guys into the woods and where he wants me to go his level of detail and the way he explains it i mean it was like he he wrote an instruction manual to get there and it was so good and it's just because of that knowledge of the woods so when you have that back you know back of the hand knowledge of the woods so to speak that makes it so much easier when you're doing the next part of it which the next part of it my mind is saying okay of this area that i know where am i going to hone in so you are you are kind of talking about like almost like a tier or a level of the big woods and breaking it down, but regardless, it's still really hard. Like when you have all that information in hand at your disposal, then you're looking at what you've got and you say, okay, when am I going to hunt? There's a level of you know, well, this is what I know, this is what I'm going to go with, but there's always that level for me of indecisiveness and and like having the confidence to say I've got. Um, I got six days of vacation this year. Where do I feel the most confident? I always second guess that. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I'm, it's hard for me because I don't have kids or, or you know, anything that like change. I can just go whenever I want. Okay. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, well, you know, because yeah, I just I'll just go out and volume hunt and as much as I possibly can, and sometimes luck happens in my favor because. I'm out there more, but no, like, so I used to have a job where I got laid off in the winter and I would go up to camp for six, six weeks straight. I'm like, I ain't coming home. And I would just be in the woods all the time 
And so, like, a lot of people are like, well, how, how do you see in deer? This and that. You always seem to see deer or be in them. It's because from years and years of putting the time in and learning. Like you were saying, your buddy um, drew that, like, almost drew a detailed map. That's awesome. Like, I try and take guys out. And I try and explain to them where to go. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I try and draw that map. But it's easy for me. But they don't, they ain't seeing it. They, they weren't back in there. And it's like you do the drive or you, even if you're not driving or whatever, you come back and say, like, where'd you go? Well, I just went over here and down the, to the left. It's like, well, you were like 300 yards away from where you were supposed to go. But like, I didn't know. Cause most, most all of us are, from down here going up there and you know you hunt a little woodlot you walk in 100 yards it's like that's pretty far because if you go any further you're going to come out the back side and you're up there you're walking and you're like Man, i've been walking pretty long i am i get too far away mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i get oh yeah a lot of people are afraid of getting lost and stuff sure sure so i have another question i'm not sure how to word this so so forgive me and bear with me as i try to answer ask this question so uh you were talking about you had that one deer on your mind for a long time, and you and you you were like, Mitch, if if that buck did give me the opportunity, I'm not sure I wouldn't have blown it because it was a deer of such caliber, and I might have been too excited. I've been in those shoes. I mean, I'll never forget when I killed the the, the biggest deer that I ever killed. I mean, the level of emotion that went through that, it is a miracle that I pulled that off. It, it, that was, <laughs> that was an emotion, Howie. I can't explain to people if you, you can't know what it was like until you experience it and like earlier in this conversation we were talking about physical fitness and working hard and setting goals and trying to achieve those goals and i am very much a person that you need to do what makes you happy and you know that i i will also admit there's been a lot of deer shaming and people saying that somebody should pass a deer based on their standards and not by the person who shot the deer. I I agree that has happened. But the one thing that I also see happening now is there's almost a level of, how do I word this? There's almost a level of like being okay with, with, with being satisfied. Like, does that make sense? So like I set a goal, I want to shoot X buck, X caliber deer, or I set this goal. And if I settle, you know, it's okay. And, and it is okay, but it didn't achieve your goal. Like, I, here's another way of describing it. I've had deer that I've shot or, or deer that have come in and I've, I've said to myself, do I want to shoot this deer? And I, and I thought, if I have to ask myself, then I probably don't want to. I, I don't want to be disappointed with myself. So it, there's a balance there between being happy about what you shoot and also, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like you're you're just uh, cashing in at a certain point. You're you're not achieving your goal. What? May, are you making sense of what I'm trying to ask you? I guess what I'm trying to ask is how how do you balance the level of being satisfied with a lesser deer and just continuing to grind. I, I don't know how to word it other than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just a PA boy. and I have a hard time passing up 120s or, I mean. Well, that's a great deer. 
But most of the time, most of the time, if I seen a buck, I'm shooting it like a legal buck. And then it took me a while to be like, well, I want to try and shoot a, a, a something nicer because I never, I couldn't shoot a decent buck because I want, I couldn't wait. If, if something came out, I was shooting it. I just wanted to fill a tag. I started getting some tags racked up, and you know, I try and flirt with that idea of hunting big deer, but. I still like to shoot deer, regardless. Right. So I'm not going to. I don't. I don't. I don't think that I would be unsatisfied. You know, like by resetting a goal because I just feel like think things change and like because sometimes you might realize your goal you set is unrealistic. Right. And well, how smart like okay, is it smart to try to go after this goal? And, you know, financially, it, it's expensive to drive back and forth mountains every weekend, you know, and, and, and spend time. Time is very valuable. Um, so it's like, I got to restructure this here, rethink this, and then, and then execute at a different level. And it's like, I mean, anything in the mountain to me is pretty dang cool. You know, like, and like those, like you should, like you said, at one point, that's an awesome freaking deer. Uh, I, I still have, like, I don't know if I could pass one up. If, if he comes in 10 yards, I'm probably going to shoot it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the way I was describing that, it definitely sounded like I was demeaning deer and people's choices in deer. And that's not the case at all. I, I just mean it. Let, let's try it from I, another angle. Like, if you're, Let's say you're working your tail off in a, at a sport, like you're in high school and you really want to make varsity basketball, and you're working your tail off to try to make varsity, and if if it gets there and you don't make the cut, does that mean, well, you tried, now I'm going to settle? And, and like if you apply that same logic to deer hunting, it's okay if you shoot a smaller deer. But there, what I'm trying to say is there is nothing wrong with passing up deer either. There, like there's this yeah. like stigma I, that people think passing up deer is bad now. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, that kind of made sense. Like, like yeah, the whole settling thing, just to like, just to fill a tag when nah, there's people that nah, would shoot that deer and then be upset. I mean, I, I, I guess it's like, yeah, sometimes you have to be okay with coming up short. I just felt like, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a place right now where I, I still want to get, like, stack up bucks. Yeah. You know, like, because, like, I, I like I said, if, if I see that big deer, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make the shot. Because I struggled with buck fever with bow early on. I just gave up bow hunting a lot. And then yeah. finally, these last couple of years, I've been man- managing it better. Um, and I feel like my, like running and all that and, and physical activity helps, helps that in that moment. And then, um, trying to be in, but you still have to be in that red zone with a shot opportunity. So, yeah, it, I I I have a hard time trying to explain. I know what you mean. Like, is it okay to just settle then all the time? Because then you're always just going to be, just, 
Like, you're going to set a goal, but then you're just going to settle for less. And then after a while, you don't, you will never achieve a, a goal because you're always okay with just settling. Is that kind of like what you were? Oh, well, yeah, and I, I think but before people crucify me on this and say I'm an idiot and I'm talking in circles, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to work something through my head and, and just thought process and logic because I, I, I will – I'm going to do what makes me happy. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And Howie, you shouldn't do anything other than what makes you happy, and you shouldn't care about what I think. And, you know, that, that applies to all that logic. I, I'm just saying within your own personal goals, when, when you start to think, like you were talking about, I set a, a goal. I was after a specific deer, and I was I was trying to do that. There's nothing wrong with shooting a different deer. And there's also, I, I think what I'm trying to tell people is I don't think there's anything wrong with hunting hard, passing up deer, and as long as you're satisfied with that, it's okay. It's such a hard thing to articulate, and I think we ought to just switch topics because it is a really fine <laughs> line there, and I could sound like a jerk when I'm talking about it. I'm not trying to. No, I get it. No, that's all, yeah. So, I mean, we, we I, talk about... I want to. I want to shift gears. I want to. I want to. I want you to talk a little bit about the buck you killed this year because you killed a, a really nice buck. And th this is where I'll sound like a jerk because you, I. I was talking about you chasing a, a one buck and then you harvested a different one, and that's not the case at all. You did what you wanted to do. You accomplished your goal, and that was awesome. And you, sh I, I like. I wouldn't. I would have shot the buck you shot. It was a fantastic buck. So I, I want to know about it. Talk. Tell me about the mind process and the shifting of gears into rifle season, and that elated joy I saw on your face for the minute you put your tag on him. Oh yeah. Um. So that I guess that was the second day of rifle. Um. The first day I was still kind of like hanging on to that. That big deer and I went, I was, I hunted the same spot, uh, same area that I was bow hunting him. And I, I seen a couple guys and there was a couple shots around, but it was pretty dead. I, 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 I'm like, you know what? Heck with it. Like, I want to go somewhere different. Just get a brush, a breath of fresh air and somewhere a little bit closer where, you know, I'll be honest, like I was beat up and I'm like, I want, I know there's deer close to the road over here. I'm going to go somewhere easy because it's like, I'm not a I work smarter, not harder. You know, I'm not going to go in five miles just to say I went in five miles. If I can kill one in a quarter mile, that's where I want to be. I'd rather be there. So, um, I just, you know, that past Intel and, and knowing the area, I just said, I'm going to shift to the other end of the hill because I've been here for the last several weeks and it hasn't been happening. So what, what's it going to hurt to just switch it up? Uh, Cause sometimes that's all it takes. And I went up into this spot and there's, there's some trucks around, but I thought, well, that's good because they could get some things moving. And there was this clear cut that they had fenced off. And a lot of people were just like avoiding that because I don't know why they were just avoiding that because they didn't like that fence. And I pretty much set up on the fence and there was like a holla to my right. And I, you know, I was sitting there first thing in the morning, these does come out right to me. And I always thought about taking one. Ah, I'll wait. And then I, I turn around and I hear a guy it sound like he's down the bottom, like a hundred yards coughing. And I'm trying to like, like my binoculars, I'm looking 
Where in the hell is that guy? I don't see him down there. And, uh, I, I gave up on it. Started looking, like, out the ridge there's some shooting going on. I thought maybe they'd run something up this point. And I turn around and look back down in there near where I heard that guy, and I see this big black thing down there. So I thought, oh, it's a bear, right? And then, like, the way the sun, like, kind of came out, and then, like, there's laurel and stuff. Well, then I, I to, you know how these old bucks are really, really dark? Mm-hmm. So I, I put the binos up, and I immediately saw a rat, and then he turned, and I seen three up, and I thought, holy shit, that's what we're looking for. And then I was all wound up. It's like, okay, now I got to try and pull off a shot. And uh, it turned out that 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 guy was, like, level with me on the ridge, but he was on the next ridge over. But he just basically was standing, like, 50 yards from his truck. And I went in and around, and the way the mountain goes, like, I walked out the ridge, like, the road peeled off to the left, and the ridge goes out to the right. And, like, it makes, like, a hard bend there, and he just walked in at that bend, and then there's, like, a big gut in between the two ridges where I was on the other side. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, yeah, so he was down in that bottom, and when I shot, he took off, he ran further down in, if he would have dropped right there, it would have been nice to get him out. So, you know, I find, I was so happy I got an opportunity, but then I was like immediately, um, not disappointed, but like, I, I, I thought I made a bad hit because I shoot 300 short mag and I felt like he should have been laying right there or he should have, he, he shouldn't have went far. And when he ran out of sight, I was like, ah, that probably isn't good. And I actually, I did have to go down and uh, get another one in him. I, he went about 400 yards. I don't know if I shot through some laurel and some branches because I was shooting down over so steep. I, I, I really don't know what happened. It kind of upsets me because I don't know what happened. But, right. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up, I, I got on the flood and tracked him and caught up with him. And now I was pretty far down in. So I, I had to pack him out of there, or it would have been a long drag. Mm. Good deal, good deal. It's always exciting to put a buck on the ground, especially when it's upstate. So that is a perfect segue into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get going. So I know that in the last year you've had some changes happening, and I think you were able to to purchase some ground. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I was able to pick up 25 acres uh, that borders the back end of my property and um, acquired it late summer. So I, I really couldn't, I shouldn't say I couldn't, but so like when I would go up on top of my property, there's a fence and I was always looking over into this property and there, you always see the deer running over there and I'd be like, oh man, it'd be nice to, uh, to have that. And uh, when the opportunity came up, I, I couldn't, couldn't turn, I couldn't turn it down. And by getting it late like that in the summer, I was afraid to go in there and, and do all kinds of changes being that close to season. So we kind of left it and, um, I, I set one stand up just, just a little bit over that line. And I ended up taking a doe out of that the second, the second, uh, what is the first Saturday of rifle season? Mm. Um, but yeah, so 
it's I'm excited now because it's, it's like uh, half boarded, half opened, and I'm looking to get in there and do some TSI and plant some food plots and just try and just make it better every year. Just try and keep. I just ordered some trees from the Sportsman Show, so I'm looking forward to getting them in the ground. Um, I talked to uh, Morris Nursery. Yeah. I said, yeah, I said, you're on Mitch's podcast, right? So we had a good conversation, and I ended up buying some trees off of those guys. Yeah, good guys. Um, yeah, they, they were. So I'm excited. I, I'm really excited to kind of get that going. I might might be having a chainsaw party this weekend coming up. Me and some buddies go cut some trees and just have some fun in the woods. And like I'll do that for a while, and then... Then I'm going to get out and start shed hunting and checking the trail cameras. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to kind of have this piece like fall back on or like if I want to shoot some does, I'm going to go out in my backyard and shoot one, you know? So, um, or, so- uh, you know, you never know. My knee gives out. I got, I got backup. I'm, I'm going out my property. Right. Now your, your property you're talking about here, this is close to home relative to driving upstate, correct? Or is this, is this property actually upstate? It's upstate. Gotcha. So you're still playing the game of traveling. However, you're, you're talking about a little bit of a different style of hunting. You're talking about, uh, confined borders, habitat, you know, small property strategy versus, you know, having those giant, uh, you know, giant tracts of land that we have upstate. So uh, where are you at right now in your game? As you know, we talked about setting goals earlier in this conversation. So now that this property is in hands and this is going to be year one of off season work, tell me a little bit about your thought process and goals leading into hunting season. So I want to try and, I actually, I got a hold of the NRCS office. I got a meeting with somebody who's going to come out, um, two Fridays from now. We're going to walk it and see what I'm eligible for. Uh, cause I got a lot of junk trees in there. I want to get them out. Uh, try and make the forest. I got some white oaks. I want to try and regenerate some of those. Um, clean out some of the junk hornbeam and, um, there's beach. Oh, there's a bunch of junk trees in there. I, I got to get those out and, uh, start making some pockets just for some browse and whatever to grow and then try and get the ground turned up maybe get some lime get uh get some seed in the ground plant some uh, food plots um and i'm probably gonna try and go around and prep a bunch of trees where i could just saddle hunt bounce around because you know the, you've seen a picture of my first the original piece right i sent i showed you so my access still isn't isn't the best, but I got some room to work with now, and I kind of found an, a spot on the top where I want to put a, um, a shooting house and make some shooting lanes, and I'll probably set it up for like uh, late November and into like last of archery into rifle season, kind of stay out of it, let the deer get kind of pushed into there, and then jump go in and kind of strike while the iron's hot, kind of thing. I feel like if I could get maybe like a 130s to come in there, mid 130s, and like every couple of years a 140, uh, that's going to be awesome, you know? Oh, absolutely. So That'd I be fantastic. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, I want to have 170s coming out of the tree line, you know? It might happen, but I don't, that's not really a goal of mine. I just, 
want a spot to have a chance at a at a decent spot. Right, you and, know, and, respectable walk through PA mountains. Absolutely, and like I said, I stuck my neck out earlier in this conversation, and I didn't mean to in a, in a bad way because it's not about inches; it's about what your goals are and what makes you happy. And yeah, you know, yeah. When you talked right. about your your property, the first thing that came to my mind was okay, you uh, you hunted close to home for a long time and hunted that private land scene. Then you kind of made a shift in hunting big woods and hunting tracks of public land and doing that ground which is is hunting but it's a very very different way style approach of hunting and now there's excitement because you you kind of acquired a little bit more private land for you to play with so i was kind of curious like are are you are you going to gravitate one way or the other moving forward or is it still too early for you to tell yeah i I don't know i it's probably early but I mean, if a big deer shows up in private, I'm I'm not above shooting him on my private. Well, sure, because there's you know, a lot of satisfaction but, in working hard on your own property and then harvesting something off of it. That like people talk about, oh, you can't get satisfaction from shooting a deer off of a food plot, and that is such absolutely. baloney. That's baloney. I have satisfaction just seeing the deer in the food plot. Like I planted that, and they're in it. Like that's what it was for. Absolutely. Anybody who you says know? that that you won't get the same level of satisfaction shooting a buck on a food plot versus shooting one on public land that that's malarkey. I've done both, and I can tell you, I had the same level of excitement for both of them because I worked for both scenarios. It's a different kind of work, but it still works. Exactly. It's because they haven't turned the dirt and, and, and ran around with a broadcaster and they're slipping in the mud and you got 20 pounds on your chest and you're, you're trying not to fall and, and get seed in and then hope that it freaking rains and then it you, you get the rain and then you look out there and you see it germinating and you start getting excited and then the, the deer are coming out and then you can set a stand up and, and, and just, you know, it isn't always about killing them. It's just a matter of fact that you're seeing deer and, and you kind of like, you kind of had uh, something to do with that. Exactly. A little more control than like going, just walking out in the big woods expecting one to come by. You know, it's like you're, you're trying to play mastermind, I guess, or whatever, and just see how, how, how you can do. And, and if they do what you want them to do, and if not, you go back to the drawing board and you make changes and, you know, you, you just build from there. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, and you're never, it's, well, I just heard some that says, don't be afraid of how, don't be afraid of work that's never done or something like that. Or, or work that has, don't be afraid of work that has no end. Yeah. That's what, that's what. And that's probably you know, like, There's no such thing as it's ever done. You're fighting evasives, you know, you're, you're in the timber making sure. I, there's always something to be done. And, and at the same time, too, a side conversation is you're building equity within your own wealth of your property whenever you're doing that positive work, which which is there's yeah. there's benefit to that outside of just deer. It's an investment. You know, exactly. You're investing in your future, like a portfolio or whatever. You can, so that's kind of that kind of plays into what I'm trying to do. Maybe down the road I'll have a timber harvest or something, or I, I fall in bad times, harvest some timber, pay some stuff off. Um, there's all kinds of programs now with carbon credits and getting into, um, may, maybe some wildflower planting and the stuff with these grants from the NRCS, USDA, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I feel like why not, why not 
uh, take advantage of the opportunity, you know, and, and, and you're making the, the land a better place for the wildlife. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's good stuff. I, I love it. I love it all. Like I, I wish I could be closer to there so I could work on it more, but I, I mean, I just love to be outside no matter what, uh, cutting firewood, running a chainsaw or driving around the property. I feel like there's a beautiful view up on the top. Like when I walked it and I turned around and looked out through the valley and seen that view, it's like, oh, like you, it's hard to put a price tag on something like that, you know? Absolutely. And it's like, it, it, it's such, I don't know, it's such a rewarding feeling owning dirt like that. For sure. For sure it is. Man, we've been rolling here for a good long time. And uh, this has been really fun because I, I, I really wanted to hear about your season. I appreciate you sharing it with us. And, and we, we went oh, down a whole bunch a of different – Whole bunch of rabbit holes. We wound up did. now. <laughs> well, the good news is you can take that wound up and you can apply that into what we were talking about earlier with deer pression and hopefully alleviate some of that. I'm going to go for a run here. I'm going to probably go for two miles and run this off. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, before we let you go, anything you want to share with anybody before we let go, or you know, I I, I like to follow your stories because you're you're pretty active and stuff. So I, I mean, you want to. You know, let no people know if they can can follow you along with what you're doing with this new property. Yeah, so it's uh, Howie underscore H two uh, underscore Miller for Instagram. I pretty much spend most of my time on there. Um, and another thing I want to talk about is uh, turkeys for tomorrow. Uh, if you're a turkey hunter, I feel like you should get up, get involved, join Turkey for Tomorrow. Um, my buddy Jed asked me to be a board member. We started our own chapter. Appalachian TFT on Instagram. If you could give those guys a follow, we'd appreciate that. Uh, Instagram or Facebook, it's Appalachian Turkey Sport Tomorrow. Um, we're going to be doing some fundraisers, some giveaways, some raffles, and we're trying to raise money to uh, better the turkey hunting in Pennsylvania. I love it. Um, I love turkey hunting. Uh, it's one of those things I was talking earlier. I, I try to do what I can before I get busy with work. And, you know, this year, turkey season, I think in Pennsylvania, is like May 4th or 5th for opening day. Um, something like that. But it's it's typically later. And, like, that time of year, man, corn planters are rolling. Beans are coming out of the oh, ground. Yeah, like I it's, bet. A, it's a tough time for me, but I love to do it. And I, I love to be able to see birds. And that's an absolutely good thing you're doing. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and that goes back to the private. You know, like, there's a saying you hear, what's good for the bird is good for the herd. But it isn't always the other way around. So... I'm hoping to, uh, you know, make some brooding habitat on that property as well. But yeah, if, if you guys can jump on there and follow uh, follow the chapter, we greatly appreciate that. Yeah, already did. <laughs> Howie, awesome. thanks. Thank uh, you, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and chatting. All right, man. Thank you.